Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. All right, well, we are going to be continuing our sermon series we've been into for a couple of weeks called By the Book. And what we've been looking at is how to align our lives in a way that it's aligned to God's Word, and we are practically experiencing the things of the kingdom of God and walking into the fulfillment of His promises for our life, that we're going and growing in the things uh, of God as a result of that. And um, this morning, we're going to build a connection between reading God's Word and hearing His voice. We're going to bring those two things together this morning in a very practical way for us to move forward with this concept. Uh, One of the things that I have gotten to enjoy lately is learning more uh, about my dad. And that's not because I didn't know anything about him, but I'm finding that grandpa tells different stories to his grandkids than he told to his son. And so we've had this opportunity to at times to sit and hear my dad talk to my kids about things that are new to me. And so maybe it's because they're grandkids and he's like, they can know everything and I couldn't. Or maybe it's because they ask better questions or maybe they're better listeners. I don't know what the deal is, but this has been happening. And at one point we were sitting at the table at our house and my dad began to talk about the years that he worked for the Humane Society. Now, for me, I only know my dad as a pastor because I was little when he went into that um, as, as following the Lord. But prior to that, he had worked as a bailiff in the court systems. And prior to that, in his early 20s, he worked for a humane society. And he was about 25, 26 years old at the time of this story. He had only been saved for a handful of years. And working for the Humane Society, most of the stories that he started to tell us about were the ones that you would expect, right? Like a possum in the attic, something along those lines, trash pandas getting into your trash, things along those lines. Uh, One fun story was he was called out to the swimming pool for the rec center of that town because somebody had released a snapping turtle into it, and he got the job of having to figure out how to get that thing out and released back into a proper place. But working for the Humane Society, you would get calls from people with stuff going on in their lives, but you were also getting calls from the police and the fire department. So whenever the fire department had to respond to something that required an animal to be taken care of or to be uh, removed, then the uh, Humane Society was called. Same thing with the police department. And like their schedules, they're just kind of when it happens, it happens. And so it was about one or two in the morning, my dad got awoke, uh, uh, awoken by a phone call, and it was police dispatch saying, hey, we need you at this residence, and we need you pretty quick. There's some uh, officers on scene, and they'll give you instructions when you get there. And so my dad had to get out of bed. He had to get uh, his stuff together in the truck, and he drove down to the house. And when he gets to the house, he sees a Doberman pincher on the front porch, and ears up chest out and just ripping vicious mad, just barking and going nuts. And he's looking for the officers and he can't find them. And here's why. They were in their squad car. (laughs) They were sitting in the squad car and he's like, okay, I located them. He moves over to the the vehicle and they roll the window about halfway down and they say, "Uh, hey, we've been waiting for you. He's like, hey, what do you need? And they're like, see that dog? We need you to remove it. And then the window just goes right back up to say, you're not getting any help from us. There's no backup. 
And so he he's, is tasked with removing this guard animal, and it's already in an agitated state. And so he's trying to figure out what to do, and he begins to kind of go into the yard, and all he has at this point is a leash. Now in the truck, he's got the long pole and the loop. He's got all the things that you could use to kind of try to stay safe in that type of environment. But he was just, he walked into the yard just to kind of see what was going on, and he began to pray. And I don't know exactly the specific words, but my would have been really short, and it would have just been, Jesus, help me, right? Something along those lines. But he goes into the yard, and he felt like the Lord spoke very specific to him. And I don't know if you've had an experience like this in worship or in the Word or if a, a time where you've really been trying to hear God speak, and you felt like there was something specific. And so for him, it was in this moment of really need and peril coming together And what he felt like the Lord spoke to him was this, lie down. Can I tell you that if that's from the Lord, you better be sure that it's from the Lord and not from any other idea or source. Lie down. And so he moved out to the middle of the yard with the officers watching from the safety of their squad car as this Doberman pincher started to kind of come down off the porch and kind of make fainting moves towards him. And he laid down on the ground. And not like prone on his face, he laid on his back and just laid down on the ground. And the dog continued to bark for a little bit and kind of came off the porch and started approaching kind of in in shorter intervals and moved away from barking but was growling and clearly not happy with what was going on. And he just laid there on the ground holding the leash until the dog had walked up to him and was over him, looking down on him and they were face to face. And at that point... He took the leash and raised his hand up and clipped it on the dog's collar. And as soon as that happened, the dog just kind of went normal, sat down on the ground, and my dad stood up and walked out with the dog on the leash. Opens the door, opens the door to his truck. The dog hops in there like they're going for ice cream, and they're ready to roll. And the police officers were like the whole time, like, what is he doing? Like, what's happening? And then he gets this, and they're just like staring at him. He's like, all right, well, see you guys later. I got the dog. And he just like drove away. And I can't imagine what type of superhero stories were being kicked around the police department that week, but that was an amazing thing for me to sit there and listen to and to hear. And the reason why I share that with you is because I I truly believe that we all have moments in our lives where we really need to hear God speak. We really need to hear his voice clearly and specifically in very real and practical ways. As much as we need the general statements of affirmation from God's word, as much as we need to hear our Abba Father say that you're valuable and that I love you, and those things that in in general wrap us into uh, an invited relationship with him, there are moments where we need to hear him speak, and it's not just a Bible verse being quoted, and it's not just a general perspective or understanding of who you are in relation to him, but it is as precise and as immediate as laid down and changes the whole situation that we're in. And I would suggest to you that if you spend any time in God's word at all, you will discover that it is his intention that you would become that familiar with his voice. See, for me to hear this story about my dad, my my dad is a pastor who I have looked up to my whole life. My dad is somebody who I know is very discerning when the Holy Spirit is speaking and prompting him, and somebody who I often go to 
for wisdom. And I see the deep value of that and know that it's a rarity. And so for him to say, hey, I heard the Lord speak and I responded to it, from, from these years past, I would say, yeah, of course. But to imagine him at 25 doing that, only following the Lord for a handful of years and being in that place where he was still like learning and growing and to have that type of experience, I think is really encouraging for me and maybe for you as well. But God's intention would be that you would develop an ear for him that would be that precise, that impactful, that familiar, that his voice and the way that he would speak to you and move in your life, that it would be discernible in your every day life and not just in your spiritual moments. And for many of us, the way that we approach the idea of God speaking to us, it's either when we're like desperately crying out in prayer, we're just like trying something and hoping for something, or we feel like we've got to be in these deep moments of like piety and sanctity. And I would suggest to you, yes, and everything in between. Everything in between your moment of desperation and you don't know what to do and everything between your moment of quiet piety before the Lord where you're truly trying to press into his presence, everything in between that, you're coming and you're going, you're waking and you're working, that there would be a way for you to discern the leading and the prompting and the speaking of the Lord in that way. And what I have found is one of the best ways to develop that discernment One of the best ways to begin to hone a listening ear for the voice of God is in understanding and interacting with God's Word. We're going to look at how those things go together today and how the Holy Spirit um, helps us to grow in that process and to make it very practical for our day-to-day living. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and get those out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. Lord, we quiet ourselves for just this moment and we prepare our hearts for your Word. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, there there would be spiritual discernment that is, um, Lord, given to us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Give us courageous faith to respond to you. And Lord, give us a a desire uh, to hear from you and to walk in your ways that we would live our lives by the book. In Jesus' name, amen. With your Bible out, go ahead and go to John chapter 10. We're going to spend the majority of our time there this morning looking at verses 1 through six, and then we're going to look at a, uh, another portion a few chapters later in John chapter 14 to see the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and how that works in our lives. But in John chapter 10, uh, if you are somebody who's kind of familiar with Scripture, um, maybe you wouldn't know that this is where it's at, but you would know this portion of Scripture. Jesus begins to use allegory to speak about himself as the good shepherd. And so maybe that's language that you've heard the idea of, of Jesus being the shepherd and us being his sheep. Maybe that's something that kind of ties back to Psalm 23 for you and you're familiar with the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Maybe you can recite that portion of scripture. But Jesus is using um, uh, allegory here to speak to his audience about what it looks like to be really disconnected from the voice of God. And just prior, and we don't have time to unpack all of this, but in John chapter 9, Jesus heals an individual who is physically blind. Uh, The man has been physically blind since birth. Jesus heals him. It causes all kinds of commotion in the community. It draws the attention of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he has a discussion with them about the difference between just being physically blind and being somebody who's spiritually blind. 
And what he draws together in the perspective of spiritual blindness is spiritual blindness is somebody who is cut off or disconnected from the things of God, that you can't actually see or hear or recognize clearly what God is doing, what God is saying, what he's inviting you into. And he begins to talk to the religious leaders about that disconnect, that they had kind of a a lot of religious accoutrement to the way that they lived their lives, but they could not discern the voice of the Father. They could not see what what God was doing, and as a result, brings them to this conclusion where he says that you are spiritually blind. And so there's this interaction there between him and the Pharisees where they're like, are we blind like this guy? And he's like, no, you're not blind like that, but you're spiritually blind. You're blind in a different way. And it's on the heels of that statement and interaction that he goes into this story. And in John chapter 10, there's actually two or three different story breaks that Jesus uses. They're all different types of allegory that give us a picture of who he is and how he interacts or relates to those who are uh, soft-hearted towards the kingdom of God. And we're just going to look at one this morning. Um, He talks about himself as a shepherd. Later, he's going to talk about himself as a gate. And a little bit later, he talks about himself as the good shepherd and moves on unpacking those things. We're going to look at verse 1 through 6. I want to encourage you as part of your action steps today to read just the whole of chapter 10 this week, and I'll give you some guidance on how to do that. But so picking up in John chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus says this. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And so he he kind of frames out this figure of speech. It's really understood in the Greek. It would be an allegory or it would be um, kind of a turn of phrase. And so he tells them this story and invites them to search for the right applicable spiritual principle, but they, they couldn't grasp it and they couldn't get it. And maybe as you're approaching something like this, maybe it seems like a little bit out of reach because what he's describing for you and I, like that may not be part of our common experience. I don't know if you've got livestock. I don't know if you have a way of kind of caring for them or interacting with them. But what Jesus was describing here, everybody understood. Everybody knew what was being described here because this was a part of the common interaction of the kind of the economy and the way that society worked at that time. And just to kind of bring you to a place where you have that understanding as well, I'll give you a few principles. One of the things that a community would do is oftentimes they would have a larger pen for holding all of the sheep. You'd have a number of different shepherds who either had their own sheep or they were hired out to care for others. And they would lead them out into different uh, pastures uh, on the countryside and in the area. And then oftentimes at night or at times when they were uh, coming into town for rest or supplies, they would bring them all in and they would go to one solitary place. So you would have kind of like a large stockyard that had 
typically like a stone fence around it, and it was high enough to keep the sheep in, give them a little bit of protection from the elements, and to keep them protected from predators. And you would have a gate with a gatekeeper who was there who was just kind of watching the stuff. So if you think about it, it's like going to school and you've got a locker. It's just you're putting all your sheep in a locker and everybody's sharing the same locker. And what would happen is when you would come for your sheep, you would come and instead of having like little uh, brands or ear tags or any of the things that might identify them, you knew your sheep because your sheep knew you. And what would happen as a shepherd is you would come in and you would begin to call your sheep and you would have kind of like a signature call. You would have maybe a way that you used your voice or kind of a, the, a, a word that you would use and the sheep would recognize that and they would come to you and the rest of them who knew that they weren't yours, they wouldn't respond to that. And so the shepherd would just come in and speak and the sheep would follow them out. A number of years ago, I had a friend who had a couple cows uh, in the foothills uh, out by Lyons, Colorado, and those cows had gotten out and bailed. Um, and so I was there uh, hanging out uh, with her and her family, and uh, she took off, I took off, and we kind of mobilized the kids, and we were like trying to get these cows rounded up, and I was doing my best to cowboy on foot, which means that I was just like running ahead, trying to head them off at the pass, right? All the things that you're, I guess, supposed to do. I watched some John Wayne movies back then, and so I was running with a lot of intention, but not a lot of understanding, but I was doing my best. And she was just kind of lazy walking along behind me. And I couldn't figure out why she wasn't being as helpful as I had hoped that she was. And she was probably wondering why I was working as hard as I was. And what happened is I got around them and I started trying to head them off. They got kind of pinned up in this canyon area. And I went pushing through the brush trying to get to this place where I would kind of be able to turn them. And once they stopped running, she just got close enough for them to hear her. And she picks up her grain bucket and rattles it. And she goes, here cows, here, here, here cows. And as hick and hillbilly as you can imagine it, it was at least that maybe more. It was just, it was, I was just like, what is happening? Where am I? And as soon as she started doing that, those cows turned right around, walked right out of the brush. I'm on the other side, all scratched up, all tore up, all, you know, brambled up. And they just walked right out. And she's swinging her little bucket, doing her little cow thing. And she just trotted right down the road home. And here I come in, all beat up and tore up at the end of it all. And all they needed to do was hear her voice and the shake of the bucket. And they were coming. And that's a good picture of what Jesus is talking about here, just responding to the voice. And so Jesus is describing this, and the Pharisees, they can't catch the spiritual principle because it's so practical and relatable. So it's kind of like, what's, what's the point? It'd be like if you were talking to somebody who had a dog, and they're like, yeah, I came home, and I put my dog on a leash, and I took him for a walk, and then I brought him back home. And you were like, what? Like, that doesn't mean anything to me, right? You just went for a walk. So it was that um, commonplace for the people here. But one of the things that you find is that Jesus is being very specific in what he is describing and outlining. It's coming off of the statement that, hey, you are spiritually disconnected. You think that you can see, but you can't. You actually don't know that you're spiritually blind. Your heart is so hard that you don't discern the word of God. You know the word of God, but you can't discern the voice of God, and you don't apply it to your life in a right way. And so Jesus gives them this allegory. And what I want to do is I want to give you four things in here that he kind of unpacks in a very simple way about it, what it means to interact with the voice of God. Um, and I, I will warn you ahead of time, they're very simple, very simple, so much so that you will be prone to disregard them. 
you'll be prone to just kind of flip them away. Either I already know that, or it can't be that easy. But I will tell you that over and over again, Scripture encourages us with this, that God uses the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. There are principles in following Jesus that really are as simple as receiving grace and walking in faith. And these ones are going to be very simple and practical as well. The first one we're going to see out of verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And so this is truth number one about interacting with the voice of God. You were intended to hear the voice of God. God's intention for you, his design for you, the way that he's created you, the way that he pursues you and wants to interact with you is so that you have the ability to hear him speak to you. And this is fundamental, it's foundational, and many people have a hard time just getting to this. They can think of because of what they've done, their shame, their guilt, that they're disqualified, or they haven't grown, they don't know enough, they're not mature enough. All of the things that tell you that that's not true need to be put back in the grave, and you need to rise in the new life that's yours in Christ, and you need to embrace this intention. God intends for you to hear his voice. And as a pastor, I have conversations with people all the time where they're asking me what God is telling me for them to know. And I can tell you, if you come to me and you say, hey, what is God telling you to tell me? I'm going to tell you to, that God's telling me to tell you to go ask him because he wants to tell you, right? I'm just going to say, go ask dad, right? Because his intention for you is that you would know his voice. And you can see this threaded through the whole of Scripture, if you did a Bible reading plan this year where you read the whole of Scripture in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, you would see God specifically, purposely, and personally interacting with Adam and Eve. You would see it through the whole Old Testament narrative. You would see it through the whole New, uh, New Testament narrative. You would see it at the very end in Revelation that God's intention is for his people to hear his voice and not to have to hear it through proxy. Now, there are places for spiritual mentors, and there are places for pastors and leaders. There are places for the community of believers to come and help you discern those things. But ultimately, more than anything else, you don't need a word from your pastor. You need a word from God. And he intends for you to be able to do that. Jesus would say, my sheep listen to my voice. Okay, so the first is God has intended for you to hear. He moves on from there and he says his, his, he, he calls his own sheep by name. And I think that this is important to note. Okay, it's one thing to move into a fold and to yell, here, sheep, 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 and have them all follow you out. It's another thing for the shepherd to come in and say, here, sheep, 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 and hey, Randy, let's go. Right, to, to have a handle or a name. Now, many of you are in the ag community, and you have scores or hundreds of animals, or have at different times. And you may have a few that actually have a name, right? And uh, some of those are actually names of affection. A lot of times, it's just names of the blemish. We have a calf at our house right now that we call Nubbins because her ears froze off, and she's just got little nubs, and so that's her handle. God knows you personally. He doesn't call you by your defect. He calls you by name. God intends for you to hear his voice, and he intends to interact with you and to speak to you 
personally and specifically. My sheep hear my voice, and I call them by name. And then when that takes place, he moves on from there. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the third truth, the first one, you are intended to hear God's voice. The second is that he will speak to you personally and specifically. And the third is that responding to his voice leads us out into the things of the kingdom of God. Like if you, if you have a desire to step into the plans and the purposes of God for your life, you need to hear the Lord speak and then you need to respond in faith. You need to follow where he leads. And unfortunately, oftentimes when we talk about following Jesus, it gets, it gets re, like uh, reduced down to just following rules. Okay, and there are, there are guidelines in God's word. There are, uh, there's right and wrong. There's good and evil. All of those things are true. There are standards of morality and how to walk out kingdom living. All of those things are true. But before Jesus ever said, follow the rules, he said, follow me. And in fact, you don't actually see him say, follow the rules. And sometimes was accused of not even doing that, even though he was fulfilling all of them. He said, follow me. And he wants to lead you out into the plans and purposes that he has for your life. And then the last truth is that you and I are able to develop a discerning ear to recognize his voice. In verse 5, Jesus moves on. He says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You were designed to hear God speak. You were designed to receive that personally and specifically you are intended to respond in a way that leads you out in the plans and the purposes that he has for your life, and you can develop that. You can have a discerning ear. One of my favorite stories from my early years of marriage was when our dog Thatcher was having to like follow rules in the house. And Thatcher was a dog that I got when uh, I was single. I had had him for several years. So for him, Beth was the addition to the household, not the dog. And so it, he was having a hard time with his adjustment. But my favorite part of that time and Beth's least favorite part of that time was this. When she would scold him or direct him or correct him, when she would give him instruction, he would stop what he was doing. He would look at her. He would acknowledge that that information had transferred and then he would look to me. And if I nodded yes, he would do what she said. But if I didn't, he didn't listen to her. Because to him, she was the voice of a stranger. He knew me, he knew my voice, and he knew, uh, he knew what we had already had. And you can develop a discerning ear for the things of God. And I think that this one is oftentimes the most challenging because there are so many other things that we hear. There's so much noise. There's a cacophony of input all around you, and it's becoming more and more the way that we um, access information. Like, you're inundated. It used to be that you would just hear your own inner voice. You would have kind of the things of societal pressure. You'd be trying to discern God's voice, and then you would have maybe a demonic or satanic um, kind of opposition. And now, like, there's so much noise and just the busyness of our life that it compounds it. It makes it more 
difficult, but God's desire would be not only that you would hear his voice, but that you could discern it above all the rest, above all the noise. And in a way that's practical, in a way where he could say, lie down, and it changes your situation from one of a violent mauling to superhero status as you walk off in police department folklore for being the dog whisperer. Like the Lord would want to move in your life in that way. And I want to answer this question real quick. How, how do we begin? Where do you start? Okay, because you might not have needed what I've given you this morning as far as a prompting to have an expectation or a desire to hear from God. You may be here this morning and say, no, I'm desperate. I'm looking everywhere. I'm trying to listen in all things. Lord, Lord, is that you? Like, how can you begin to discern the voice? How do you know when Jesus is speaking to you? How do, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is prompting and leading you? When I was, um, when I was teaching high school English, uh, my first as the full-time uh, uh, teacher for the English department, uh, I had the majority of the classes for this school, and so I was teaching 12th grade English. It was a one-semester college composition class, and every class started the same way. My students would come in, they would sit down, and Hacky would say, get out a clean sheet of paper and something to write with. Everybody would moan and cry and complain about it, and then they would have to do a writing assignment. And it was something that they had to do every day, every day, every day. A variety of different ways and things that I was kind of instructing them on, but a proficiency that I was looking to instill in them and to help craft. And about halfway through the semester, they had to do an actual, like, big formal paper at this point. It was a research paper. They had to go and they had to do uh, all of the right research. They had to have the sourcing, all of those materials. And the paper that they had to write on was on media bias. It was on bias in journalism. And so they had to kind of do this whole uh, um, research project on that. And I gave it to them in different parts. There was an extended timeline for this because I wanted it done well. And they needed to learn all of the building blocks to get to that place because it was something that they were going to have to do with proficiency when they went on to college. And so as we were walking through that, there was a date where they had to turn in a rough draft. And so they had to have some certain things in place and turned into me. And I received all of those on that day, and I began to go through the stack of papers, and I was reading them, and one of the early ones was immediately impressive. Like, I mean, it was, it was well-crafted, and it was, uh, it, it was structured. It had a good kind of main one thing or kind of a thesis approach to it, and I was mildly impressed because the person who had turned the paper in had not shown any of that type of diligence or proficiency in any of their previous work. And so I was saying, okay, well, maybe there's been some strides made here. But I only got three, four, five sentences into it when I was like, he doesn't know that word. Like, that's not, that's not vocabulary that this guy, he doesn't know how to spell that word, let alone what the meaning of that word is. And that was my first inclination where I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And so then I just looked at the paper again, just gave it a quick glance once over because I was thinking the best of this student, but the paper that he had given me was all meticulously typed out. It was clean. It looked great. But then at the top of the paper, his name was just like scribbled in a pencil he had found. And I was like, that doesn't, those two things don't kind of line up. And then in the middle of the first page was a black Sharpie line taken out about two straight lines. 
And I was like, it's a rough draft, but that's a little curious because it doesn't look like there's any other kind of rough draft corrections that have already been made in this. I don't think this is just a proofread type of a situation. So I took the paper and I just lifted it up so that the light would backlight it. And I could clearly read in the Sharpie the line that had been redacted that said, in all of my years as a professional journalist, and I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And can I just take a side note for you, those of you who are high school students, those of you who are college students, if you can find it using Google, all of your teachers and professors can do the same thing. So I literally printed out the article that he had cut and pasted for me and printed it out next to it and handed it all back to him. And we got to go through a series of conversations where we were forming some character between me and the administration of the school, but I share that with you for this reason. As I began to read what he had written, I could tell it wasn't his. I gave him the benefit of the doubt at the front side, and I was hopefully optimistic, but I had read enough of what he had previously written to know, without even my Google research, that it was not his. It was not his authorship. It was not his voice. And I share that with you because that is one of the primary benefits of spending time in God's Word. You may not understand all of it. You may not know all of it. You may be trying to figure some of those things out. But the more that you see and understand the way that God works with people, the more that you see the thread of redemption through Scripture, the more that you hear the Word of God, the more you are apt to be able to discern the voice of God in your everyday life as a result of that. In John chapter 14, Jesus is making a connection between his word and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And I want to touch on this briefly and then we'll close. As Jesus is speaking to his disciples on this occasion, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. One of the interesting things that Jesus is saying here is that, hey, if you you hear my voice, then you've heard the Father's. In fact, on other occasions, he'll say, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I hear the Father ask me to do that the way that Jesus went about demonstrating life and the message that he was bringing was supposed to be a tangible, visible picture of how the Father would interact with you. And then he moves on from there, and he says, all of this I have spoken while with you, but the advocate, another way to translate that word would be, but the counselor, the comforter, or the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Okay, now I am going to encourage you to be in God's Word. Because the more that you are in God's Word, the sharper your ear will be to distinguish God's voice. But the Holy Spirit needs to be part of that process. The Holy Spirit interacting with you as you read the Word of God is what gives you the sharpened ear. You can just read the Bible and have a bunch of knowledge but not have any wisdom. And that was what the accusation of Jesus was to the Pharisees. 
They knew the word of God inside out, but they could not distinguish the voice of God from anything else. In fact, they were so wrapped in their religious expression that they couldn't recognize the Son of God in front of them, speaking the very word of God to them because their hearts were hard. And so I would be remiss to tell you, hey, to live your life by the book is going to give you the discerning ear. It's the good starting point because you will be more apt to know how God would speak to you. But the Holy Spirit is going to partner in that process to help you develop that. Those two things go together. And when you think about learning and understanding God's Word in partnership with the Holy Spirit, this is what you arrive at. The author, the author is also your tutor. Your author is also your tutor. That the Spirit of God comes alongside you to help you interact with the Word of God, to develop a discerning ear for the voice of God, and then you get to walk out in that. Church family, if you would stand, I've got one last thing I want to share with you before we close. Worship team, you, would, you can come forward. As we close, I want to give you just a very practical example of how this can work and something that God did in our own church family just in the last week. So earlier this week, I, uh, I received an email um, from a woman whose family has kind of just integrated into our church. I think they've been coming maybe since May, and they've been getting to know us, and they've been looking and searching for what God would do with them and where he would take them. They're really trying to press in to the plans and purposes of God for their life. There's a purpose, like desire and an inquiry. They're, they're making decisions towards that effect. And I got this email from her earlier this week. It just says, good morning, Ben. I just wanted to tell you an awesome thing that happened last Sunday. I spend my time with God first thing in the morning. And usually that time consists of completing a plan in the Bible app. And I end up reading wherever in the Bible the plan leads me. But this morning while I was praying, something said to me, you need to read the Bible from cover to cover so you can get closer to Jesus and understand what he's about. And so I opened to Genesis and I just kind of started reading. And then when I got to church later that morning, the sermon was on the importance of the whole of God's word being applied to the whole of my life. And it was like a giant flag being waved in my face that God was confirming where I felt like I was being led. It's so cool. It's so cool. Lord, give us hearts that are discerning of your voice. Lord, give us courage and faith to take steps in response to that. Lord, for some of us, that is, um, it's a scary thing to think about. Lord, some of us are faced with the, the guilt and the weight of things that we would think would disqualify us. We would be more comfortable if you spoke to somebody else and they just told us what you were saying. Lord, for some of us, this is difficult because there are so many voices pressing and pushing and vying for our attention. There are so many things that sound close to the truth or sound plausible or 
align with things that we already want, Lord, that it can be hard to distinguish your voice from all those other voices. Lord, some of us shy away from you speaking to us personally. Sometimes there's a fear of being known. Lord, would you do something in our hearts today that softens us towards your word and towards your voice? Lord, that we would pursue learning and understanding your word with your Holy Spirit as our tutor. Lord, that we would begin to discern your voice and then respond in faith. And Lord, then to celebrate that, to share that with somebody else. Lord, that there would be a move in our lives that draws us closer to you. Lord, that we would live our life by the book, not simply because we've read it, because you've spoken it into the specifics of our daily life. Lord, that it would be specific as hearing lie down in a moment that's potentially difficult. Lord, that it would be as specific as you speaking and calling our name. Lord, that it would be specific as applying your word to our situations. Lord, give us a desire for more of you, more of your word. Give us a desire to hear your voice. And Lord, help us to take simple steps this week to become more familiar with both and respond in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Action steps for you this week. If you want to snap a picture uh, with your smartphone or tablet, or you can circle back online to get these. I want to encourage you to read all of John 10 this week. And as you're interacting with that chapter, prayerfully consider the text. So have a little conversation with dad about it. Number two, listen for the voice of the Lord in that exchange. And then number three, this is really helpful, journal what he speaks to you so that you can begin to process that out and have a deeper understanding of it.